Are you curious about bodies, pleasure, and possibilities? And what about curious about what others are up to on the planet when it comes to pleasure, sex, and play? Have you considered what pleasure can do for your life, your body, and your bank account? Do you know something magical, delightful, and out of this world orgasmic is not only possible for you, but totally available to you? If you're ready to be the magical, sexual, sexy beast you know you can be, and you just need the tools to get there, you're in the right place. Now, here's the host of The Pleasure Zone, sensual movement artist, relationship, and sex alchemist, Milica Yelenich. Welcome, 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 my sweet, sweet pleasure seekers. Tonight, we're talking about a very, very specific topic called erotic and autoerotic asphyxiation. So if that sounds really fascinating to you, stick around. If that sounds mortifying to you, stick around. The reason I say that is because a lot of things that we think mortify us um, or that we judge or that we think are really strange and weird Sometimes there's something in it for us. Sometimes there's negative information. There's something that when we talk about it will allow you to understand other people just a little bit more. And it gives you a sense of maybe breaking down, you know, a few more judgments in your world to not judge other people. I actually picked this topic, erotic and autoerotic asphyxiation. Not that it's... um, something that's high on my to-do list in my life. It's actually pretty low on my to-do list. I think uh, from different experiences in my life, it's not something that I have chosen to use as an erotic experience. So this is actually more of an investigation as in, in the idea of what is it about erotic an autoerotic asphyxiation that is such a turn on. What has people choose it? What is it that has people be curious about it? And to me, that's the fascination because this is not something in this lifetime that I have engaged in intentionally uh, for the purposes of sexual gratification. I'll put it that way because I have been choked, but it wasn't for sexual gratification that it's um, it's curious, what is it? So I'm curious for those of you who are out there who are listening, if you are into some of the more dangerous end of play and if you're into asphyxiation of any kind, whether it's erotic or autoerotic asphyxiation, I'd love to hear your thoughts on that. You can join me in the chat room of inspiredchoicesnetwork.com and let me know what do you think you can also call in we have lots of call-in numbers if you come over to the inspiredchoicesnetwork.com you can interact with me and we can talk about that i'm really curious to know what your experience is now if you're listening to this in podcast form by all means write to me uh, at melitzajalanik.com you can find my email on there you can message me through my website so i'm just curious so First of all, what is this? What is erotic and autoerotic asphyxiation? Let's start with asphyxiation. Asphyxiation is where you are having your breath limited. And as a result, it, it, it's like it stops the oxygen going to your brain. So 
when that occurs, there's, you know, you start to begin to have a loss of consciousness when there's no oxygen going to your brain. So erotic would be having somebody do something that would suffocate you. And autoerotic is where you do something to yourself that would suffocate you. And where did this idea come from? I actually was having a conversation with somebody and they brought this up and it made me go, hmm, that's not a topic that I've really dived into. And I also noticed when this was mentioned, the reaction in my body that I first went to, I kind of had a little beyond moment where I, I felt fear for the person. And I also felt a bit of um, like sadness, but also this, this occurrence wasn't something that they were 100% into. So that could be another issue. I am, if you know me, if you've listened to this show, you know I am all about consensual anything. If you are consenting, that's cool. Now, the things where you're not consenting, I'm not cool with. And there are quite a few philias, paraphilias, where consent is not involved and where there is the intention to be non-consensual. And those ones I'm not so cool with because there is not a sense of consent. Now, if you're consenting to be non-consensual, then that's a whole other thing. Um, for example, voyeurism, if you're consenting to have somebody watch you, but you don't know when or where, but you've just had an agreement that they can like watch you undress or masturbate or have sex, then hey, that's totally different. That's, um, that is something that is, I would say, consensual non-consent. So in, this, in these terms of erotic and autoerotic asphyxiation, one, autoerotic, you're doing it to yourself. So the consent lies with you. Erotic is where the consent lies between you. So here's an interesting thought. Now, for a lot of different philias, paraphilias, I talk a lot about using safe words. Now, if you're being choked, what do you do? How do you give your safe word? Now, there's also several accounts of people dying because of erotic asphyxiation. Um, I was reading some count uh, numbers that were between 500 and 1,000 people that had died of um, erotic asphyxiation in about in Ontario, I believe, in about a 10-year span. So I live in the province of Ontario, Canada. Um, I could be getting my numbers slightly askew. However, there are a number of deaths. Um, most of them are male and most of them are um, a certain age range between their 20s and 30s. And one was female. Out of all of them, there was one female. So there is a greater tendency for males to be interested in, or people who identify as male, to be interested in erotic asphyxiation. Along with autoerotic asphyxiation, there uh, there was back in the day when I was watching back in the day in the 1980s when we had television and no podcasts, uh, there was there was a show. There was a show called Geraldo back then. And it was a talk show. There was also shows like Phil Donahue show and the Oprah show. And there were a number of shows that were out there, but I like watched whatever was on curious. And there was an interview one day with a mother who had her son had uh, died of autoerotic asphyxiation. And 
the story as it went was that she actually had found her son who hung himself in his closet uh, while masturbating and died. And my first instinct as like, I think I was 12 years old, listening to that was how mortified he must have been to have his mother find him in the closet naked. And then it took me a little while to realize, oh, he was dead. So maybe he didn't have the shame. It's hard to say. Do we still have shame when we die? I don't know. I haven't died yet that I, well, I'm sure I have. I'm sure I've had many lives, but I don't have proof of it. So there you go. So that, I think what struck me the most was the mother finding the child. And what struck me the most was that moment of having to see your child be dead under certain uh, unusual circumstances for sure, which appear suicidal, but really were more, there was more of an attempt of it to be erotic. So it's a tough one because, you know, there's that point right before climax where in the climax of losing consciousness where um, as the person loses consciousness, if they are hanging themselves with autoerotic asphyxiation, then they may actually lose control and in effect lose their lives at the same time. So my heart goes out to those of you who have had family who have died this way or, you know, suicide of any kind. However, this is a particular unusual kind of non-intentionally likely suicide. So although it is, I believe they still consider it suicide. It's quite, there's quite a um, jumble of information out there on this. And there is quite a jumble of information too around erotic asphyxiation where uh, people have been charged for doing things like suffocating their lovers and then their lover dies and it's a fine line when there's been permission and there's a fine line when it goes to the other side to death. So this is something to be incredibly, of all the topics I've probably ever talked about, this, this one should come with a label warning. Really know what you're doing and even then, and have many conversations about this prior to doing it. And not only have a safe word, but let's face it, that safe word is probably not going to come out of your mouth if you are being um, suffocated. So you need to have a safe something. I would say that you can get something like an object or a hand signal, uh, something where you can indicate to your partner. So if you know, if you raise your hand in a certain way, or you could even get like you could literally get a flag, a red flag that you hold. And if you raise that flag, then it's done, then you're, you're at the done zone. I think when I think about this topic in particular, and I think about the use of safe words and how do you create this as a safe play, I think that it's one of those ones that can be really difficult because how do you say your safe word? And you also require an incredibly attentive, very, um, present, very patient, very aware partner, because if they're none of those, your chances of survival of this, I would say, are not very likely. You need somebody who's present enough to watch your signals to know if you are going too far on that. So 
so we're kind of looking at the, the information of what is erotic and autoerotic asphyxiation. Now, part of what also goes on, so there's lack of oxygen to the brain. Now, there are also some studies, and I'm just going to go take a quick peek so I can give you the correct information. There were some studies done uh, by, a, by a doctor. Uh, his, his name was Dr. E.L. Lloyd. And in his his studies, he did some studies concerning hallucinogenic states brought on by chronic hypoxia, which is lack of oxygen to the brain. And part of that is that in his studies, the findings suggested to him that people do not arrive purely, they do not arrive purely from a lack of oxygen, these hallucinogenic states. So some people may be having hallucinogenic states while they're having uh, erotic asphyxiation or autoerotic asphyxiation that might be occurring if this is something they've done many times. Um, so that let's go back to that. They're not necessarily having these solely because of that, but part of they might not be having these hallucinogenic states because of solely lack of oxygen, but also what occurs in the brain. Uh, what they noticed was that there were abnormalities in the cerebral neurochemistry involving one or more of the interconnected neurotransmitters, dopamine, serotonin, and beta endorphins that uh, all were showing up as reported associated with the hallucination. So if you have increased dopamine, increased serotonin going on in your body, you're going to have some pretty good happy feelings. Dopamine is that happy, feel good feeling. Also one of those uh, feelings that you get during orgasm. So your brain, if your brain's experiencing an increase in dopamine, it's going to feel good. It may actually be already getting to that point of an orgasmic state. Because as we know from many of these shows that I've done is that orgasms occur where? In the brain. I know what? Yeah. Orgasms, all orgasms occur in the brain and the bonuses, they also occur in the rest of your body. So your brain is a major factor. Now, if you have lack of oxygen going to your brain, what is that going to do? The lack of oxygen going to your brain is going to start to create a lack of consciousness, a lack of, um, you're not really going to know what's going on. So hallucinogenic states may occur. Now, a lot of people have tried over the years and they've done all kinds of things, drugs, um, different sort of shamanic rituals. There's been all kinds of things in the world to create altered states of consciousness. This may actually be just one of those, another way of having an altered state of consciousness. So it's a curious thought, isn't it? So my thoughts on that are that if you're having an altered state of consciousness and that's what you're really getting off on, is there another way to do it that's not going to kill you? Or is that level of almost coming to death what actually turns you on? Kind of like skydiving. If you're skydiving, you have all these fabulous different uh you know, body chemicals and hormones running through your body because it's like, wow, I'm dying. And there is something that can be incredibly pleasurable about that and then surviving it. So is it the coming to the brink of near death? Is it the knocking out of lack of oxygen in your cerebral cortex? Is it 
the hallucinations that may be occurring? Is it a physiological response to all of these chemicals that are going on in the body? There are so many things that are going on with this that I'm sure it becomes a curiosity. So I wanna remind you, if this is some kind of play that you are doing with your lover, make sure that you have a few things in place. Conversation about this, number one, consent. Number two, find your happy way of showing that there is like your red zone. So we've talked about safe words on here and there's like green, yellow, red are the most common. They go with the lights for driving. So if you don't have a green, yellow, red that you can say because you are choking and you can't say anything because you're suffocating, make yourself some flags, get some material, do something where you can show your partner this is the red zone or become creative and do something on your own. Maybe you, uh, you know, pinch your lover's nipple to the left and that's an indication that that's too much, too far to go. Be creative, but make sure that the word is agreed upon. You can even test the word in advance to make sure your partner knows and remembers and is paying attention. It's not something you wanna fly by the seat of your pants and assume they know exactly what the safe words are. Test them out, know that they're working for the both of you. And then start with some really mild other things first with using that safe signature, we'll call it instead of a word because it could be, uh, you know, the nipple pinched to the left or it could be that red cloth or whatever it happens to be. It's your signature move that's gonna say you've gone too far. So know that you've got that in place, practice it with a few other things that are really super safe first and then go a little bit further. So. We're going to talk more about erotic and autoerotic asphyxiation when we come back from this commercial break. You're listening to The Pleasure Zone here on Inspired Choices, and we'll be right back after this commercial. Are you secretly a voyeur, wondering what's going on in other people's sex lives? What if now is the time for a totally different sexual evolution? Are you interested in people who are pioneers of different sexual and pleasurable practices? Lean in now with Milica Yelenich, where she will entice you and your body to know your own pleasure zone. On the Pleasure Zone radio show with sensual movement artist Milica Yelenich, you'll receive tools, inspiration, and a foundation to allow yourself to receive more in your sex life and quite possibly other areas of your life as well. Listen for the Pleasure Zone with Milica. Every Monday at 8 p.m. Eastern Time, 7 p.m. Central Time, 6 p.m. Mountain Time, and 5 p.m. Pacific Time on InspiredChoicesNetwork.com. Are you a subject matter expert? Are you here to share your expertise with an audience waiting to hear from you in only the way you can deliver? Are you ready to have your voice amplified across the airwaves? Inspired Choices Network has a global radio platform streaming to millions of people across the world. Professionally produced and supported by an accomplished team every step of the way, you can broadcast from anywhere in the world knowing your voice matters and we ensure it is delivered with ease and efficiency. Eager to hear your message, the world awaits. Contact us today to become an Inspired Choices Network radio host. Email becomeahost at inspiredchoicesnetwork.com. This is The Pleasure Zone with sensual movement artist Milica Yelenich. To participate in the program today, join our live studio audience in our chat room 
at InspiredChoicesNetwork.com. You can also make the choice to ask or comment by email, info at MelitzaYelenich.com. Now, back to the program. Welcome back, my sweet, sweet pleasure seekers. Were you all choked up over that break? Well, you might have been because we're talking about erotic and autoerotic asphyxiation, and you might just feel choked up after that. Prior to the break, we were talking about some of the what. What is erotic and autoerotic asphyxiation? The question behind a little bit of the why do people do it is only from my third party perspective, from somebody who's not. Um, ever done it, but I can kind of step into the shoes of what would be pleasurable about this. So that's, it's a fun exploration for me to step into other people's shoes or look from behind their eyes and ask like, what is it that you find pleasurable, pleasurable about A, B, or C? And for this one, as I kind of step into the energy of people who enjoy erotic and autoerotic asphyxiation, I get that there's quite a high that comes from the lack of oxygen to the brain. There's quite a high also for having such a deep surrender to put your life in somebody else's hands. And now all of that was pretty well put together word-wise. And if you have the, the trust, if you have the knowing if you have the awareness that you're with a partner who is going to pay attention to your what was I calling it it was like instead of safe words it was like a safe um, signature so if you can use your safe signature with your lover and you know that they're going to honor that then you're probably going to have one of those better experiences and not one that leads to death. I'm all about finding safe ways to play and I'm all about consensual anything, whether it's consensual, non-consent or consensual, consensual, consent. All the consensuals, yes, I'm for that. And looking at erotic asphyxiation, which is where one partner is the gasper, the one going <gasps> gasping for air. That's, I don't know if that's like a common word for it. Um, it's referred to in some things that I've read about it, but I don't know if that's like the newest, most common word for it. And there's always newer, cooler words for sex things. And I always feel like I'm like a year behind on sex terminology because I'm like an I'm like not 18 years old anymore. So I have to like hear these things go down all the trail and they eventually find their way to me. Maybe I need to have more people following me who are like 18 to 25. So if you know people who are 18 to 25 and you think they'd like this show, send them over and let them know. They can teach me new words, new fancy words for things, but we're going to go with Gasper for today. So Gaspers are the people who are gasping for breath. And as the gasper, you should be in total control. Just like in any position with submission, you are actually not losing control, yet you are. Oh, it's so confusing, I understand. How do you be in control and not in control? Well, you're in control by you are gauging what it is that you are receiving. So because today is all about 
erotic and autoerotic asphyxiation, I would say that from the Gasper's point of view, you should be, if you're with a partner who honors you, respects you and that you trust, that you are in control because you can give them that signature. Like I was mentioning, whether it's that red shirt, I don't know why I think it's like a red flag or a red shirt, but it's gotta be something that your partner can visually see or feel that's different than words because you might not be able to use your words. Yeah. So use those. And what I'm, what my thoughts are in like stepping into the shoes uh, of whoever's receiving this is that there's a deep level of surrender and a deep level of trust that maybe you can get from other forms of BDSM type play. And possibly one of the most challenging tasks, I would think, at the same time because of the level of presence required from the person choking and then the level of presence required from the gasper to know when their limit is being hit. So a lot of attention and presence on both parts. Now, we've talked a little bit about the what is it, the possible whys, but I would love to hear your feedback if you are into erotic or autoerotic asphyxiation. I would love to hear your feedback on what does it do for you? And I'm going with that it's a major, major turn on in a way that has to do with massive amount of surrender and um, going to that edge of life. People have done so many things to go to that edge of life. So edge of death and life. So looking at the like what and how, how, like how do you actually perform these things? in a safe way. And what do you do to perform them? So there's a number of things. Um, number one, you just like think for one second, how do you create, uh, you know, somebody having no air in their body? How do you do that? Well, there are a few ways. Hands is number one. We have some parts of our body that right in our neck, there's this little divot here. And if you push on that, you can actually get a lot of, uh, you can stop a lot of the airflow to a person's body. So you could do that to yourself if you want, like right there. And you can use, you can use double-handed choking if you want one-handed, depends on the size of your hands, but your hands will be number one, that little area, you know, just like it's a little divot right here and it's really soft and putting in there is a really um, fast way of getting somebody's breath out of them. Now I'm telling you that from a martial arts perspective from what I, I learned uh, in a martial arts class. Now that's just one way to choke somebody. You can choke them from behind with your arm. Now this, these are all getting, there's an evidence about this as well and the hands. And then we're gonna look at some more of the more obvious tools as well. Things that we know people have used in the past to strangulate themselves and ropes are one of them, belts, different ties of sorts. Um, I'm actually wearing a scarf-like tie tonight, which could be uh, used in its relatively soft and doesn't have 
so much of a smaller concentrated area like a rope does. So choking with that is can be a little bit lighter. Um, just looking at the tools and how how they like the anatomy of the tools you're using, you can kind of gauge what would be something that you want to start with. And from my perspective, as somebody who's not experienced this, if I was going to experience it, I would want to have the experience. I would want to start small and grow it. So I want to start with something like a silk tie or a scarf and then go to hands and then, or go to rope and then go to something like chains or go to something like bags or pillowcases for, for uh, that. And then maybe the extreme would be different gases. So some people are been given gas to do that as well. And, you know, it's a weird thing, but you think about tortures in the world where people have been put in places like gas chambers and people have been hung and it's, it's, there's such a small defining line between torture for the sake of pain and harming people and torture slash consensual non consensual non-consent type torture it's there can be such a fine line and that fine line is consent it's a hundred percent consent so that is what you need to get from your partner if you're choosing this is you need to get consent and you need to have a conversation i will say this about a hundred times because truly this is likely one of the more dangerous paraphilias out there um, that I've investigated to date. So I don't need my listeners dying on my account. And I would rather have you educated than dead. Funny me. I know. So, so educate. Now look around your home. I bet you're going to find things that when you do look around, you're going to go, oh, that could be used for choking pillows, for example, on the face, uh, pillowcases, bags, ties, belts, you name it, even different necklaces that may be strong, they can be used as well. So I would not use anything too small in case it goes extreme. And it's like, it becomes a, like a garroting device. And so you don't need to do that. You don't need to slice any heads off, correct? So a little bit thicker, a little bit um, wider, I think to start would be a good idea. And definitely ask your partner because they'll know what they like as well. And they might not know what they like. So you need to experiment at first and bring out a bunch of things and just try them even for one to two seconds, touching them on the person's neck. Neck is a super sensitive area that a lot of people feel very, very vulnerable about. And it's a very sensual area for kisses and blowing on and all kinds of things. So it's, it's a bit of a sensitive area. It doesn't get a lot of attention. So putting things on it, you need to be really present, really aware and uh, in communication with your lover for this because otherwise it can go south real fast. So please keep those things in mind. And we have more to talk about, about erotic and autoerotic asphyxiation. So stay tuned. You're listening to The Pleasure Zone here on Inspired Choices Network and we'll be right back after this commercial. Are you secretly a voyeur, wondering what's going on in other people's sex lives? What if now is the time for a totally different sexual evolution? 
Are you interested in people who are pioneers of different sexual and pleasurable practices? Lean in now with Melitza Yelenich, where she will entice you and your body to know your own pleasure zone. On the Pleasure Zone radio show with sensual movement artist Melitza Yelenich, you'll receive tools, inspiration, and a foundation to allow yourself to receive more in your sex life and quite possibly other areas of your life as well. Listen for The Pleasure Zone with Milica every Monday at 8 p.m. Eastern Time, 7 p.m. Central Time, 6 p.m. Mountain Time, and 5 p.m. Pacific Time on InspiredChoicesNetwork.com. Interested in masturbating for money, copulating for consciousness, and pleasuring on purpose? 21 Days of Sexual Magicism with sensual movement artist Melitza Yelenich is an exploration of tools, processes, and actions that you can use to create more for your life, your body, your money inflows, and so much more. Graduated learning for all levels of interest. Learn at your own pace via video classes or join the yearly live class. Take a peek at www.melitzayelenich.com. This is The Pleasure Zone with sensual movement artist Melitza Yelenich. To participate in the program today, join our live studio audience in our chat room at inspiredchoicesnetwork.com. You can also make the choice to ask or comment by email info at melitzayelenich.com. Now, back to the program. Welcome back, my sweet, sweet pleasure seekers. So some of you may be completely new to this concept of asphyxiation in general. Maybe that word's not familiar to you. It's all about suffocation. And some of you, the whole concept of having erotic asphyxiation is completely new to you. Uh, if you didn't watch Geraldo like I did back in the 80s and 90s, then this stuff would be very foreign to you. But Geraldo and Phil Donahue and Oprah, they educated me on a lot of things. And this was one of them. So I did take a fascination kind of in the back of my mind to this whole topic. And partly because it does take you to such a level uh, where you can die, which is absolutely fascinating. And I thought, well, if this is occurring like when did it start usually when i look up things i look up like history of blowjobs when did they start how do we have when is the first evidence of this occurring what made us think that we should stick our mouths on each other's genitals who knew so and there's interesting fact-finding histories you can find on these things now every there's opinions on everything and does anything truly uh, anything you can prove no because all proofs are opinions essentially anyway there you go but some evidence that uh was written about and just a sort of an interesting tidbit in history is that during the time of hangings in the 17th century there was a kind of a trend that was being noticed that men who were hanging being hung would uh, as they were choking, start to have erections, and some of them ended up coming, um, you know, just prior to dying or at the moment of death. 
I think that probably created a heck of a lot of fascination in people because how else were they getting educated? You know, there was information out there. You know, there were authors, uh, you know, that were erotic authors like the Marquis de Sade. He's probably writing some things at the time. And, you know, other authors on uh, different. um, Yeah, so the Marquis de Sade actually wrote something called uh, his famous novel, Justine, or the misfortunes of the virtue and Justine in his his uh, writings are um, they're actually she gets subjected to uh, choking and survives it so this is historically been written about uh, from that perspective of being a sexual thing and there's there is some evidence I suppose in archives of the the hangings and the different, uh, you know, results of hangings, like men having erections and then coming. I don't know if they check that for women as much. Like, did she, you know, have an orgasm at the time of death? I don't know if, um, unless a woman had a lot of wetness, I don't know how they else they would gauge that. Hard to say. So uh, some of those men actually ended up having erections that sustained even after, after the hanging. So that's fascinating. So what would have people go, hmm, there's another one of those things, torture, torture and death. Let's take that to another level and see what we can do and make it sexy. I know we've done a lot of funny things throughout history that we go, hmm, there's one way to look at it. And then, and then let's make it sexy. So this is another one of those, let's make it sexy moments. And people will find ways to make things sexy. And I think at that time, you know, I'm like imagining myself here I am in, you know, the 17th century standing there in front of the gallows. And, you know, that's what everybody did. It was their form of entertainment. And you're watching, you know, men have erections and come. This is kind of a strange type of pornography in a way. I mean, they didn't, I mean, there were pamphlets and there was some education, like the writings um, from the Marquis de Sade, but there and there were other erotic writings that weren't that easy to find. But there was stuff; it wasn't that available to the general public, like the way a public hanging was. So they would see stuff. Might have fascinated them. It might have had them want to try it later on at home. It makes you start to wonder too if you know a lot of women who have been said to have you know choked their husbands to death or something were really playing with autoerotic or erotic sorry asphyxiation possible so from those interesting and strange possible beginnings now that's one possible beginning but i also think uh, choking has been going on forever you think about a child having you know milk and as an infant they could be choking on their milk so there may be a reaction uh, to that as well and for some reason we you know, we as human beings get curious about these things and want to take them to some other level. It might have went, oh, well, choking is this natural reaction. I wonder what it does in conjunction with A, B, and C. Like, can we get turned on by this? So, I mean, I'm pretty sure that as long as there's been human beings, there's been choking. Because you think about animals, I've seen cats choke on fur balls, like animals choke, people choke. So choking itself isn't new. I think the conversation around using it for pleasure is fairly new in the last few hundred years, maybe. 
And that's just the, I mean, the conversation of it where prior to that, I wouldn't be surprised in the least if it was going on without the conversation uh, with it. So I think these things are not new in the world. Now, the question that for some of you who are listening to this and you're like, this is, this is like the craziest thing I've ever heard of, or you're thinking, this is the sexiest thing. I really want to try it. Um, cool. If you want to try it, cool. Remember some of the things I talked about with permission, consent, uh, conversation, having those safety signatures. Those are all great. And for those of you who are still going, that is some really weird stuff. I'd like you to just stop and breathe and expand your energy because the more you judge something, the more that your body takes on stress. It's actually incredibly stressful for your body to judge. So I actually bring up topics that I notice that I get a little, um, I might have a judgment on so that I can not have a judgment on it anymore. And I can see how people would choose this to have pleasure, especially if you're seeking some kind of ultimate uh, transformative experience where you are maybe hallucinating. It seems to me that there could be this very um, out of this world kind of experience going on. So though I do want to remind you that if there's no consent, this is abuse. If there's no consent and you're being choked, you need to get out of that relationship. If there's no consent and you have been choked and you're still in that relationship, please leave. And if you are out of it, count your blessings, know what that energy is like, and please don't go back to that. So if you've ever been in an abusive relationship where somebody just grabs your neck and starts strangulating you and you did not get turned on by that, and you did not give consent to that, that's one to walk away from people. So walk away from that. You're like, I don't know how to walk away. I don't know how to get out. So when you give me a little message through my, my, uh, one of my social media platforms, let me know what it's about. Hey, I could use some assistance here. Can you facilitate me on getting out of this relationship? Or, hey, you can write to me on my website and do the same thing at www.milicajelenic.com. Write to me and we'll work it through because if this is non-consensual in your life, that's not okay. Consent, okay. Non-consent, not okay. That's as simple as I get. And that's where, wherein lies pleasure. Pleasure lies in the consent the consensual non-consent. There's pleasure in that, but there's rarely pleasure in non-consent. Very rarely is there pleasure in that. So other than for the person giving it, who's possibly like a rapist or enjoys torturing people, the person giving the torture may enjoy it, but the person receiving it might not. So consent, consent, consent. Can't emphasize that enough. So I'd like to kind of recap on from the very beginning of what do you do if this is a relationship that you feel you're going to start to have with your partner, if you're feeling like, oh, you know what? I'd like to take my relationship to a whole other direction. I'd like to try something different. So if you are thinking different and you've been in a very vanilla relationship, this might not be the first thing you try. 
So keep in mind, this is pretty intense. This is pretty elevated. This is something that some experience uh, or a lot of experience is really helpful. I, you know, I would definitely test out some things, you know, with like one second intervals with your lover practice first, get those, uh, those safety signatures going so that they can read your language. So they know what's happening. So you know what's happening. So everybody feels safe, get that all lined up and practice first before you do any of the choking or the asphyxiating practice first on something else, a little BDSM, just tie your hands up, try that. Try that and see how you feel and see if you can give the signals with that and see if you can have your partner respect that and, and honor what feels um, safe for you. So this is all about feeling safe. It's all about having you feel honored. It's all about healing as well. Surprisingly, this can be incredibly healing, especially if you've gone through something like choking in your life and then having somebody do that to you and they respect you and back off when you need them to back off it can be incredibly empowering to know that you're in the driver's seat as the gasper so for gaspers it can be healing for somebody who's doing the choking it can be healing it's just the approach and that's the way that you approach each other and the conversations that you're having those are integral to how your results are going to show up so we're going to talk more about this you're listening to The Pleasure Zone here on Inspired Choices Network. We'll be right back after this commercial. Are you secretly a voyeur, wondering what's going on in other people's sex lives? What if now is the time for a totally different sexual evolution? Are you interested in people who are pioneers of different sexual and pleasurable practices? Lean in now with Melitza Yelenich, where she will entice you and your body to know your own pleasure zone. On the Pleasure Zone radio show with sensual movement artist Melitza Yelenich, you'll receive tools, inspiration, and a foundation to allow yourself to receive more in your sex life and quite possibly other areas of your life as well. Listen for the Pleasure Zone with Melitza every Monday at 8 p.m. Eastern Time, 7 p.m. Central Time, 6 p.m. Mountain Time, and 5 p.m. Pacific Time on InspiredChoicesNetwork.com. This is The Pleasure Zone with sensual movement artist Melitza Yelenich. To participate in the program today, join our live studio audience in our chat room at InspiredChoicesNetwork.com. You can also make the choice to ask or comment by email, info at MelitzaYelenich.com. Now, back to the program. Welcome back, my sweet, sweet pleasure seekers. Tonight we're talking about erotic and autoerotic asphyxiation. I'm just making sure that I am, uh, you know, giving you guys as much information as I possibly can so everything can come out safely for you. Yeah. So um, I am just checking. So I think what I want to make sure is that you are safe, that your bodies are safe, and that you don't walk away with having you know, damage to your, any part of the inside of your throat, your larynx, your pharynx, anything like that. Also that you don't have such a, uh, an extreme uh, circumstance of loss of 
breast that you end up having say a heart attack or heart conditions. So there's some fair warnings. Like if you do have say asthma or heart conditions, this is probably not your best choice. Um, unless, you know, it's something that you are like, I really want to do this before I die. And that's what you do. You do it before you die. And I think too, part of it is to make sure that you are absolutely physically in a position where regardless of what's going on that, you know, if your partner's like not paying attention, I feel like as long as you know, you can get out. Now, now that's my opinion, but you know, there, I'm sure there are people who are experiencing erotic asphyxiation and they don't want to know they can get out. They kind of like the danger aspect. I think if you're just beginning though, it's good to know you could get out. So if you're being choked, say on a bed, you have an easy way that you could roll over and roll out. So, you know, I think that's just a really good idea. So I was thinking about this before the show and I thought, how can we learn how to hold our breaths longer so that this experience can last longer. And there are some great deep breathing techniques out there and people that are doing breath holds. I'm not gonna name their names on this because I, I don't know that they would want to be affiliated with autoerotic or erotic asphyxiation. But if you do look up breath holds, breath hold techniques, this could be a pretty good um, assistance in this whole in this whole play as well. And even for people who are doing autoerotic asphyxiation, if you can learn to do breath holds for yourself where you're restricting the air to your own uh, brain, you're gonna notice that you're gonna get some pretty high feelings. You're gonna start to feel sometimes a little woozy and you might start to feel a little like dizzy. And then when you start breathing again, there's like a rush there's like a rush of dopamine and a bunch of these great hormones that just like your body goes woo and starts to feel pretty great. So I encourage you that if you are going to play this way, start with some breathing techniques as well. And also just do like one to two second intervals for the hold at first of the person's neck, just until they get used to you touching them on the throat or putting a bag over their head until they get used to that sensation you can train up for it so you know two seconds then 10 seconds then 20 seconds then 30 seconds and 50 seconds and in the meantime they can learn how to do breath holds and there there are some strangely amazing benefits to breath holding that actually increases your immune system so there can be some side benefits to this, along with the hallucinations that might be fun. Um, there is research out there um, by somebody who's like an expert breath holder that I'm a fan of. Uh, again, won't, I won't be saying their name in conjunction with this, but if you're curious who the heck I'm talking about and you want to private message me, you can do that and I will uh, send you a link to their work because uh, this is something you could do on your own at first to kind of prepare your body and get used to the effects. Again, not if you have heart conditions or if you have asthma or you have breathing things like, or if you have allergies and those, those are good to stay away from this for safety reasons. So I know that, you know, you're going to get curious and you'll probably do it anyway, even though I'm like, don't do it if you have these conditions. So just, I'm giving you a fair warning. Don't do this if you have these conditions. And you know, 
also don't do it if the person says no. These are pretty easy things to, to say as well, right? And you can also learn a bit about like how to choke in a way that's safe. So if you know, you know, when I was showing you guys like that little soft area down at the bottom of your neck, so it kind of your clavicles kind of meet there and there's a little soft spot. Like the anatomy in there, if you know how it works, you can be really effective with very little effort and very little pressure. So keep that in mind as well. So I'm curious again, if you have, if you've ever experienced this, I'd love to hear your feedback. How did it work for you? Did you like it? Is it something that you've added to your play overall? Is it something that in your life, this is like your new, your new fun play? And that's really cool if it is. Congratulations that you have found something amazing that works for you. I know this isn't for everybody. And I know that this topic probably alarmed a few of you when I put it out there. Some topics alarm people. And that's what they do. And, and I have to say that I probably had some judgments on this topic before I got on this show. I probably was like, oh, that sounds so scary. Scary would be like a judgment. Or that sounds like mean or cruel. Um, so when those things come up for me, I like to investigate, investigate what's going on in my life. What am I affiliating that with? How did I come to that conclusion? What's going on? What did go on? What am I holding on to? What can I let go of? I ask a lot of questions and then I move forward and I present these things to you guys so that you too can move forward. So I encourage you, if you still have judgments about this and you want to get over your judgments, you can connect with me and we can go through that. It's not that you have to choose this ever in your life, but maybe just don't judge it. You know, everybody finds pleasure in different ways. Maybe yours is to like eat spaghetti. Maybe yours is to like go skiing or Maybe it's drinking wine or there's different things bring you great pleasure. Maybe it's getting, you know, uh, uh, butt plugs stuck in your butt. There's so many different things, right? Like we all have so many different things. And if we could just not judge them, as long as they are consensual, again, I can't emphasize that enough. As long as it's consensual, even if it's consensual non-consent, that to me is key. And there is nothing... Um, there's nothing that we can actually say about there being anything wrong with it. If two consenting adults, adults, which would be classified wherever you are in the world as an adult, are agreeing to this. And I say, go for it. Go forth, conquer your fears and have lots of fun. Spread pleasure, spread joy and enjoy yourself. We're going to have some more kink talks in the next month. So stay tuned for that. You're listening to The Pleasure Zone. Have a good night. Stay tuned in and turned on. Till next week. Thank you for listening to The Pleasure Zone with sensual movement artist Milica Yelenich. The Pleasure Zone returns next Monday at 8 p.m. Eastern, 7 p.m. Central, 6 p.m. Mountain, and 5 p.m. Pacific on InspiredChoicesNetwork.com. We hope you'll join us. Until then, have the best week of your life by choosing to be turned on and tuned in to your body.